the Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network presents Worldview Media Podcast, where Gordon and Joyce Runyon view popular media through the lens of the biblical five-point covenant model to help believers appreciate and apply principles of exciting narrative and engaging storytelling. Episode 2 of the Worldview Media Podcast. Uh, I'm Gordon Runyon. To the left on your radio is my wife, Joyce. And to the right is Jordan, our middle daughter. And uh, we're here today to discuss the movie X-Men Apocalypse. Yeah. Ooh. Uh this is about as new a movie as we'll probably ever discuss, <laughs> so it'll be kind of a, an interesting thing for us. However, before we get started, I need to point out, I think you steered me wrong last week. What? <laughs> Remember I said I didn't think they did the time travel thing very well, they never explained it and all yeah. that? Yeah. And you said, well... See, they got the red matter from Spock's deal. And they did, and, and when the star... That one start... Okay, what are you saying? I'm saying the very first scene in the movie when uh, Nero and his ship come out and then the captain of the Kelvin goes over there. He's asking him, where is Spock? Have you seen this ship? Yeah, because Spock tells Jim on the planet, old Spock, he's like, they followed me because his ship got sucked in uh-huh. and then Nero went after him, but... Because of the wormholeness, or I don't and know, then he came afterwards. Something either way, but it was way, just moments afterwards, and yet it wound up being like it, yeah, because of how it was a wormhole. Yeah. So, so the wormhole deposited them in different places. Yeah, in time is what you're saying. Yeah, it just took one of them, whichever one, longer to go through it. Okay, then, how did Nero then leave the time of the Kelvin to go and find Spock? He was just. He just waited. Yeah. He he he, he didn't time time travel again. He just. He was waiting for Spock to show up. Waited for Spock. That whole time after the Kelvin, he's just sort of floating around. He's lurking. (laughs) What do they call that on Facebook when you're stalking? Yeah, but but that doesn't really apply. That doesn't make sense. (laughs) No, he just. That's that's what it is. But that's what he was doing. He just waited (laughs) for Spock. Well, that still don't make sense. What else are you going to do? Mm-hmm. You're stuck in another place. Well, I'm place. just saying. Just well, I guess he must have just waited, but see, that wasn't explained very well. And right. then he, he actually didn't, he was kind of dormant for a while until yeah. I think Spock showed up. And we don't realize that he showed up, but that's when he starts doing this other stuff again with the, uh, he attacks some other place. Was so it he's just door? hanging yeah, around and not interacting with anybody for 20 years? Yeah. Or whatever. Yeah. Apparently, it would seem that way. See, that doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, I guess that's how it had to be. Well, but it wasn't explained very well, is what I'm saying. All right, but enough of that. <laughs> uh, X Men Apocalypse. Okay. So, the plot overall for that show is apparently there was this. A really super powerful mutant 
Yeah. Way back. Way, way back. Way in back in the day. Ancient way Egypt. Back. And uh, somehow through betrayal of his own followers, who were also mutants, I guess. Yeah, seemed like. So, at least one of them betrayed him, and, and uh, they wound up. They tried to kill him, but they wound up just burying him for a long time. Yeah. And now in our day. Uh, somebody reawakens him, right? Yeah. And then he decides it's perfect time for him to destroy the world. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and and so he needs to get four new followers to go with him, and yeah. And so he recruits uh, one, two that we have seen, two that we haven't really seen. Well, that's not even right, because we've seen both Storm and Angel before. Yeah, but different. But these are different. Yeah, Storm especially and Angel. Angel is yeah. completely different. Yeah, I didn't even know that was Angel. And then he, <laughs> right, so then he gets this other girl, Psylocke, is that her name? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> sure. The chick with the swords. Yeah, 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 I think her name is Psylocke. And then, uh, and then Magneto. Yeah. Now Magneto's having a bad day. Yeah, yeah. He's trying to live like in the black just forest or something like that. Alive. Yeah, he's yeah. just wants to be a regular guy. Right. And he's doing pretty well, it seems like, for a long time. Until he makes a mistake of saving somebody who yeah. was about to be crushed by equipment at his workplace. Right. And so he uses his power to save him. And then as soon as he's used his power, the police show up at his door, accidentally wind up killing his wife and daughter. And, and then it's on and <laughs> yeah. He snaps. Yeah. Mass murder. Yeah. Two different places. Yeah. Mass murder. Well, he didn't really do, didn't the, do the second, second mass murder. Yeah. He was, well, going, he was to. going to. Yeah, he would yeah. have. Right. And and so he he winds up joining up with Apocalypse. Right. And now, now the whole thing is just about them deciding they're gonna destroy the world. Yeah. Right. And and so our hapless heroes who are. <laughs> Super-powered, angst-ridden teenagers who don't quite know where they fit in. Yeah. They have to overcome their not-fitting-inness <laughs> and team up yep. to... Use the power of self-confidence. Right. Self-confidence is big. And, and finally, teamwork. Yeah. And uh, then they, by teaming up... At uh -huh. the right time, in the right way, with great self-confidence. Yep. They defeat a villain who is otherwise undefeatable. Yep. Which kind of makes it the exact same plot of every other X-Men movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, exactly. I mean, I mean the, the features of the villain are different. They, yeah. But same. They can't defeat him unless the angst-ridden teenagers with superpowers... Overcome their not fitting in this. Teenagers that are defeating the villain. Sometimes it's angst-ridden, like Wolverine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about overall impressions. Which one of you wants to go first and just say overall what you thought of the story? I'll let you go first. Oh, okay. I guess I'll All go All right, first. Jordan. Um, I, it was better than I had expected it to be, just because of, like, X-Men's franchise track record. Okay. So I went in kind of with really pretty modest expectations. Yeah. 
which were which were met, and then a little bit it was better than I thought it was gonna be, and so probably if you like X Men movies, you'll like this movie. And uh, yeah, it was it was all right for me. Just all right. It was all right. I mean, I'll I'll watch it again. You know, like there are movies that I see and I'm like, I don't need to see it again. But <laughs> right, I could, right. I would watch it again. Would you? Sure. I wouldn't pay to watch it again. Yeah, I mean, I no. if like I if I had a friend who <laughs> like just showing on a wall somewhere. If, if, if I had a friend who who had bought it and they were like, "Hey, do you want to watch this?" I'd be like, "Oh, sure." I wouldn't even go that far. I think <laughs> I think if it was showing for free on TV and I happened to flip by and see it, I might stop and watch a few minutes of it. But I don't think I'd. <laughs> All right, mom. What do you think? Well, I, I kind of agree with uh, with Jordan. You know, there was just so much bad publicity about it, yeah. most of which I heard from you. <laughs> <laughs> Since I'm not on any media sites, um, I was really like, you know, we, we waited for the movie to come to our small town. We could have seen it when it was released, but there was just a lot of uh, negative... Right. feedback that I got from someone that it wasn't really going to be worth the time but you know came here we had an evening and said hey let's go do this so uh, I did go in with really low expectations thinking oh well you know it's a cool place to sit down in some darkness and watch a big screen <laughs> right. but uh, it was it was better than I had anticipated um, I still like some of the characters the way they were portrayed and the way they were acted, I, I think yeah. there were some. I had some problems with the whole apocalypse guy and where he came from and how he got his powers, and it seemed a little far, a little far fetched for me to fully buy into all of that. But uh, it was it was a it was okay, you know. I wouldn't watch it again. I wouldn't give it an A. I'd probably say a B. It's passing. It's not probably going to ever be one of my favorite X-Men movies, but yeah. it's, you know, okay. All right. it's fun. Did the opening scene there in Ancient Egypt, did that remind you of Stargate at all? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. maybe a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, I was getting all kinds of weird, like, Stargate was one, but then also just, like, the mummy and, like, just uh, weird yeah. random, like... Oh, yeah. 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 But not really X-Men ever. That whole opening yeah. thing, I was like, this doesn't feel like X-Men, really. <laughs> What's going on here? some other thing. Well, even even the opening sequence from the credits was weird. Because yeah, like it, Doctor Who or something. Yeah, it was it was oh, weird. Yeah, yeah. Going through all the... Right. All the morphing changes of X's into... Yeah. 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 Well, are there glaring plot holes that you would point out? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think Jordan's got some glares. Well, uh, well, I think one of the things that bothered me was just that, like, Egypt has so much archaeological stuff going on all the time, and, like, mm. he didn't really seem to be buried somewhere totally inaccessible to somebody who really wanted to dig. You know, so like, how is it that all these years of like, yeah, archaeological stuff happening, like right next door, and nobody find like it's thousands of years later that they find this guy. And then the other thing that bothered me really 
was the whole like when he's transferring his consciousness thing to another mutant so that he can be stronger or whatever. Right. What's that? <laughs> like <laughs> that's that that's that I feel like that barely qualifies as like a a power that you would get through a mutation. I mean, I know we get a lot of weird powers, but that's really strange. <laughs> and then the way that it works it seems to be really, it relies on a lot of outside stuff, like yeah. this whole grid. this whole grid pattern thing yeah. and the two little altar things. And I'm like, this is right. really very strange. And it, I don't see how that's some kind of yeah. biological mutation that's allowed. Like, why can't he just... It's very... Uh, well, it's a, it's a mutation augmented with, with mysterious, yeah. weird Egyptian <laughs> stuff. See, but yeah. it's so strange. Like Wolverine is augmented by more modern technology. But that's understandable. Well, but, that's an understandable augmentation. But this, this mutation requires that augmentation. Like, oh, otherwise yeah. it doesn't... Yeah. Right, it doesn't, it doesn't do happen. Yeah. Because, like, Wolverine at least... You know, beforehand, he still had, like, the bone claws, you know? Like, he's just been, like, upgraded. This couldn't have been an upgrade. This is, like... What he's trying to do doesn't exist at all. Yeah, unless he's doing it with this whole apparatus thing. And no other power that we've ever seen in the X-Men universe works like like that. So Something you're born with, and maybe you enhance it one way. Yeah, I'd have to agree with Jordan. That's really where I was, like... You know, because it really reminded me of, like, a computer grid work type of thing that you'd see and circuit board yeah and yeah. then all this light comes in and then it looks like maybe it's a liquid type of gold but is it light or is it like a liquid right. or what's going on and, yeah, and that you have to have the two pedestals and if you don't have anybody on the other one well it's not good for anything and it's activated by the sun so even though this thing was buried underneath the earth for thousands of years once a little bit of sun fell on it well then you know now it's good now it works (laughs) and it revives the guy and he's fantastic and so you're calling far-fetched yeah yeah it seems more science fictiony than superhero okay super villain it just that was that was kind of like a bad kernel in the popcorn (laughs) but i dealt with it all right i kind of like those little burned kernels <laughs> but, but uh, I, if it doesn't fit though yeah it didn't seem to fit in that that's right okay uh i ran into some issues with the storytelling myself and one of the things that bugged me and this is generally why when i was growing up i never liked dc comics compared to marvel comics because it seemed to me as just a reader that with every dc superhero whatever he or she needs to do in the moment, they they're probably able to do that. And, yeah. uh, and their powers aren't very well defined. And, and for this apocalypse guy, I went through the whole movie not really sure what he could and couldn't do. And yeah. He was just very ambiguous. and uh, He seemed like he was super tough and unbeatable, but uh, I thought they could have done a little bit better job of defining exactly what he does and doesn't do or sure. or what. Yeah, and, and, you know, really what was his superpower? Because he didn't take people's powers just on his own. Right. So was it just that he could... What was his original mutation? Yeah, I mean, was it just that he knew how to build a grid work? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I kind of feel like just because it's the one he used the most was that it was that sand thing. Manipulating sand. But... Yeah. 
Do but you? that's just because that's the one he seems to favor and use more. Yeah. Well, I'm kind of the same way, and, and that bugged me. I feel like if you're going to have a superhero story, you gotta, you got to... I mean, and we're throwing reality out <laughs> from the get-go, but yeah. still, you have to, you have to be, it's you have to have some integrity with how you're building your super <laughs> world. Yeah, yeah, you're gonna build a world. You've got to have rules of how stuff That's right. works. That's right. That's right. have to yeah. be consistent. Yeah. And I don't think that that happened for me anyway. The other bit, storytelling-wise, that I that I thought they did not do well is I think you'd be hard-pressed to figure out who the main character in the story was. Mm. There were times that it seemed like maybe it was Mystique or Raven. Yeah. And then there were times, is it Professor X? Yeah, or is, Scott. Is it, yeah, is it Scott? Is it Magneto, even? Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and you know, I'm sure that's the, the logistics they ran into by trying to just pack a ton of super characters in there, you know. Well, I feel like they it's probably more of an ensemble anyway, just because it's sure. an X-Men movie. Right, right. And if we're being honest, most X-Men movies, the main character is Wolverine, yeah. who we see, like, like for a lips. minute here. Yeah. What? Wolverine? But, you know. <laughs> but I think for a story, though, you need that main character, you know, and... Uh, I think it just really weakens it if you don't have a focal point, storytelling-wise. It yeah. winds up being disjointed, and, mm-hmm. and just about the time you start to care about the motivations of this character over yeah, here, now we're talking about somebody else over here. Yeah. And uh, so to me, I thought that was not the best storytelling in the world. The other bits that I didn't like is that I had seen, um, this is not an original criticism, but I saw it online before I watched the movie and I found it to be true, is that I thought the whole, I thought so much of the movie it was just derivative of things that they've done in the past. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, down to, down to how they worded the arguments between Professor X and Magneto about what's their relationship with the regular humans going to be. You know, the same words were used. Yeah, but, I mean, for that last scene when they're talking to each other right before he leaves the school, I feel like they did that as a throwback on purpose to have them have that same conversation. Well, and really, that remains an issue for them in their friendship, how they work around, how they see things going. Yeah. And honestly, I think you have some relationships that are like that with people where you disagree about an item and you have to learn, okay, we disagree about this. Yeah, the but item's still not going to change. Yeah. You're not going to change. I'm not going to change. I'm not going to budge on this. You're not going to budge on this. But okay, so how do we go from here? And I think that's just kind of, you know, that's just true to their characters you know one has a little bit more hope and one just says there isn't yeah, so right. that's true I think yeah well I just I just I mean I understand some of that and I think we've all had experiences like maybe with a family member where you're arguing over the same issue a lot and you pretty much just give the same arguments back and forth every time you talk about it and nobody really advances the conversation or something like that so I can, I can maybe forgive some of that, but some of the special effects were even seemed derivative to me at the end where they had 
Magneto's got all the metal stuff flying up in the big arches and stuff. Haven't we seen that before? And like last well, stand you know, and stuff it is like that. Super power. <laughs> yeah, it might just be that like you know, they're just trying to follow the rules that they set in their universe. Oh <laughs> this is just how it works. <laughs> you're telling me I'm I'm never satisfied. <laughs> well I don't know. <laughs> all right. That'd be like saying, and you know, Wolverine, there's claws go again. All the time. Right, right. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Always with the claws. Always with the shenicht. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, let's see. Any uh, any issues with character motivations and stuff like that? Uh, well, I, I have issues with the villain. Yeah, he just had that... You know, just a demo. And I do have issues with Magneto, but we'll get to those a little bit later, I think. <laughs> I mean, Apocalypse just had that same boring, uh, you know, supervillain thing where he just, his whole goal is to just, rule the world. Destroy yeah. everything. He was yeah. believing his own press. Is the, yeah. He had a bunch of people tricked into thinking he was a god and started believing that himself. Yeah. Uh, okay, well then, let's move into the five-point covenant model. The first point is transcendence. And in the Bible, transcendence is regularly shown by talking about the fact that God is the creator, he's the redeemer, and he's the revealer. Uh, now, R.J. Rushduni, a long time before the five-point covenant model was solidified, he pointed out that if you can pinpoint the, the source of law in a society, that that that's really the identification of the God of that society. And so I'd include that as another thing. So how do you spot transcendence? It's who's the creator? Uh, how does redemption happen? Is there any revelation of truth? And uh, where is what's the ultimate source of law in this world? Okay, so my thought with regard to this is that the whole X-Men series is totally, uh, it stands or falls with the idea of mutation-motivated naturalistic evolution. Right. And you can't have the X-Men without having evolution. Yeah. Yes. And now to me, uh, to me this movie kind of strained the credulity of that, just because the most powerful mutant that they've ever seen and dealt with it's shows up thousands many of thousands years of ago. years ago. Yeah. And there were mutants around him at the time. Yeah. So is the mutant thing really a mutant thing, or has it kind of peppered the human population throughout right. human history? Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, if you go with the whole evolution thing, it was always just enough time and a little bit of change here and then a little bit of more change here and then a little bit of more change yeah, there. Yeah, they're not but, going the gradual change way, though. Well, or, but, I know. mean, you'd have, like, a couple of people change it. Maybe that's why he needed the grid work. I don't know. Because <laughs> <laughs> he didn't really change enough. But, you know, that's a problem I have with evolution to begin with. That, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, it's just... You can't just have even one thing change. Right. For real evolution, you have to have both a male and a female change at exactly the same time and exactly the same place in order that they could then right. procreate and continue on with this mutation, which most mutations are even, uh, right. you know, yeah, not good. deadly. Yeah. yeah. They don't survive, so. 
Okay, so obviously it's a very evolutionary model that we're dealing with, which is going to affect a lot of other things. Right. So when it comes to redemption, how is redemption achieved in this period? Well, I think the Apocalypse character really saw that the world governments were the ones that had all the authority and all the power. Right. And so, you know, that's who he saw as a threat even though they were distinct governments in different places and had their own forms yeah. of rules and laws and how they interacted. You know, his intent was to destroy that power yeah. so that then he could do whatever he wanted to. So the government was a something that he identified as, as being a god. Oh, okay, yeah. Rival gods. Yeah. You bet he had to get rid of. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Okay, so... Uh, were characters redeemed or how did redemption happen? Well, I think I think the character we see most sort of aware of that kind of idea is probably Mystique, just because I feel like she feels really responsible for a lot of stuff that's happened in like, you know, Days of Future Past and stuff and right. changing the whole mutant yeah, uh, the whole timeline. Yeah, the whole population right. thing and how they're like being seen by the public and all this stuff. So like, with her whole crusade to like help little rogue mutants find safe places right. uh -huh. and all this, while still being like, oh no, I'm not a hero. Like you don't want to talk to me right. and all this stuff. Uh -huh. So she's sort of, I feel like going about always trying to seeming like she's trying to redeem herself of something through this yeah this process that she keeps going back to because <laughs> yeah. we saw that actually in the other movie the one before this that she was still doing the same thing where she was going around trying to get mutants out of like dangerous situations oh, okay. yeah, yeah so redemption then for her is uh, doing good for other mutants or yeah like I guess so okay Sure. Uh, I kind of I look at Magneto, yeah. and also for Storm, they were both following Apocalypse and doing his bidding, and then right at the end, they both kind of flip around and start fighting for the good guys. Yeah. Well, but you see a whole progression with Magneto from the previous movie where he was, you know, he was still a renegade and he was against all of the the laws and the rules and you know then you see him kind of settle down and being you know just a regular guy trying to fit in and right. do his best right. and have a family and take care of his daughter and and then to see what happened when even what he was trying to do was to be helpful yeah you know it wasn't even a vengeful thing or something hurting somebody else that was helping and how that was responded to and then you know, you see him fall back into where he was before. Right. And, you know, why should I care about anybody? <laughs> right. Why should I? It doesn't matter what I do. Or, and then to see yeah. him come back at the end and and reconnect with um, Charles and say, you know, I still can't agree with what I think is going to happen because that's been his experience with non-mutants is that they're, you know, yeah. no one's accepting and it doesn't matter what you're doing or why you're doing it, you're going to be yeah. an outcast. There was that interesting scene where uh, 
leaning out. I think he was leaning over his dead family and kind of yeah. yells at the heavens. Yeah. Is this who you want me to be? Or yeah. what did he say? Is, that, is this who I am? Or, what I am? Or, yeah. Yeah, yeah. This all I can, yeah. So he's blaming God. Something like that. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, other. I kind of felt like the closest thing that they got to redemption for several of those folks is just what you had kind of mentioned about self-confidence, where it's almost like, like with the Phoenix, yeah, that her her big moment of jumping from one level to the next level <laughs> was all about just kind of self-actualization. Believing or, in herself. Yeah, yeah. believing yeah. in yourself. And, yeah. Uh, which is really the most, uh, uh, I don't know, the most antichrist form of redemption there is, yeah. I guess. But but that seemed to be almost a repeated thing. You have to, that's what apocalypse was ur urging them to do, is believe in yourself and figure this out and all that. Mm. Uh, let's see. So was he wanting them to believe in themselves, or was he wanting them to believe in him and that he could get them to where he wanted them to be? Because he was the one that, you know, I'll help you reach this next level. Oh, yeah, yeah. It wasn't just... But his help was generally in the in the way of saying, you're more powerful than you know you are. And yeah. You just need to let it go. Yeah. Let me give you cool hair. Yeah. I'll <laughs> fix your wings for you. Yeah. Yeah. That was an upgrade, though. It was. Man, that, yeah, that was an upgrade. So. <laughs> That's uh, true. He didn't do anything cool like that for Magneto, though. Well, he gave him his helmet. Well, he's always had a helmet. He just like found. He was like, "Here's your helmet back." Like, no, I think it was a new helmet. It was a new helmet. He just made it out of the sand or something. Okay, sure. Because apparently he can do that. What know. can't he do? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, okay, is there is there a character who stands out for you as someone who really represents the world? of the X-Men, the franchise itself, or... Uh, I kind of feel like Magneto is the only one who sort of carries it to its logical conclusion. Oh, okay. Explain that well, to lady. Well, okay. Here's the thing. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, we have, like... This is point two of the Covenant model, representation, by yeah, the way. Yeah, okay. point two. So... I have it all here written down. All right. <laughs> okay, so, like, we already said that, like, the whole franchise, the whole X-Men universe, it's pretty strictly, like, this evolutionary thing, right. pretty atheist and stuff, and right. and you sort of see that in the way that their mutations are worked out. But it's really just Eric who is willing to be like, well, okay, if that's what we're all going to say that it is, then, like, us being the more powerful people... Should be. We should be in charge, and it's like this whole survival of the fittest, like right. might makes right thing. Yeah. And yet, I feel like the weird, the weirder, the weirder thing about it is not just that he's the only one who feels that way in this world where that's really the only logical way to feel. Yeah. He's also 
supposed to be a bad guy most of the time because he feels that way. And, like, Charles, who, who says, you know, who's, like, the most evolutionary atheist of all of them. Yeah. Because he, like, studies this stuff and, you know, and right. he's all sciency and all this stuff. Like, he's the one who's like, but the strong people need to be protecting weak people and we have to live together with equality and everyone has the same... And it's like... Yeah. But and he's the good guy for like not getting all the way through his his worldview and not <laughs> tracking it to the end where Eric will track it all the way to the end and he's the one who's like right. oh you're being terrible right yeah I think you really nailed it you really nailed it uh, given the evolutionary worldview there really is nothing other than survival of the fittest yeah. and. and uh, and so Professor Xavier, for some reason, he has this high morality that there's just no reason for, yeah. given, given evolution. Yeah, I think you probably nailed it. I, I really kind of feel like uh, I was going to suggest it's the two of them together, that you smush them together and you've kind of got the X-Men worldview. You know, yeah. where, uh, and it's that happy inconsistency that the good guys still want to help and be heroes yeah. even though there's really no reason for them to do that yeah did you have any ideas about that or? well I think again it goes to your perspective because if you're the non-mutants looking at the mutants they're not the good guys yeah. well they'd at the least mutants, be scary then, well no, I mean, they're just not the good guys. They've never been the good guys. I mean, you look at the thing that happened with Magneto in the movie yeah. that wiped out his family. He was trying to be the good guy. <laughs> right. And they said, you're not the good guy. You're the mutant. <laughs> right. You cannot be good. And, you know, so it's it's all the perspective. As a, as a non-mutant, the mutants are a threat. And it doesn't matter what they're doing or how they're doing it. They're a threat. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Anything else on this representation issue? No. Okay, so point three. I got three. it all out. All right, well, that was good. You, I think you nailed it. All right, so uh, point three is ethics, where we talk about how they make their moral decisions. And generally, it's easiest to do that by spotlighting moral crisis or uh, some really major moral issue that they needed to to decide about. We've already mentioned the big ones that stick out for me in terms of Magneto and Storm finally deciding that they couldn't follow this guy anymore. Yeah. Magneto confessing, you know, Apocalypse said, what, are you betraying me? He's like, no. No, I betrayed them. Yeah, you know? yeah. That's a, how cheesy is that? <laughs> <laughs> Well, that he's Michael Fassbender. Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> when he you're has. so good looking, you he can has betrayed them. say whatever you want to. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what a great lie. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Did you see his jawline as he said those? Yeah. Okay, so uh, are there any other moral crises that you spotted or that stood out to you? Hmm. No, I don't really think so. I feel like that's the biggest sort of turning point where you have like a choice to make and stuff. 
and it's really the same one that's I think like Mom was saying it's the same one that's been in all the X-Men movies in terms of who are you going to side with yeah because the good X-Men are the ones who are going to side with humanity or are you going to follow this guy who like I say believes his own press and has come to think he's a god right so what motivated the ethics then the big decisions well I think for for Storm we really just see that it's because she like really respects Mystique and realizes that she was on this other side and maybe that caused her to be like well, wait a second, let me rethink all this stuff, you know? She like, be on the wrong side of this. Yeah, she had two competing hero worship things going on. Yeah. Had to decide which one she was going to go with. Yeah. But she could have gone the other way. I mean, I'm not sure. Yeah. Well, I'm even though sure. Apocalypse was kind of like, you know, he was a weird guy, he at least found her and recognized her and made her feel good about yeah, herself. flattered her. You know, yeah. and so... She didn't have anybody like that in her life. Right, you know, right. she was just scrounging around on the streets trying to get by. And here comes this weird-looking dude, <laughs> you know, saying, uh, you know, you are a powerful person. Did she turn for this based on the same pivotal person that Magneto turned? Because Magneto kind of turned based on, seemed to me, based on his relationship with Raven. Isn't yeah. that what tipped him over the edge or... He started to realize, if everybody's dead, I'm going to wind up killing this other person that I really do have feelings for. Right. Yeah. I don't know. Their whole thing is, I feel like, still very complicated. Yeah, they, they well, don't even she know. was pulling on, you know, your family. Yeah. You can have more than one type of family. Where he had felt completely isolated and alienated. Yeah, and he'd lost didn't everything. Didn't belong ev- anywhere. You know, so what was the purpose of right. trying to pretend like you belong somewhere when no one's going to let you belong? Right. And then, Quicksilver, yay! <laughs> I'm here for my family, too. Yeah, what a chicken. <laughs> yeah, I feel like he really, he really I know. cheesed out right I when know. he could have. I was ready for him to say it and for Magneto to look over to at him <laughs> and have the face like, right. what? And I was like, this is going to be a great moment. And then he's like... <laughs> Just letting me down. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So, so. <laughs> I know what you're saying. I was like, yeah, come well, on. Was, uh, I don't understand what he was gaining by not saying anything. <laughs> See, he's just a chicken. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe he thought he would take it poorly at the time. <laughs> maybe maybe now's not a good time. <laughs> don't share information like that on to a high stress like, day. I'm your son. <laughs> <laughs> Daddy, don't destroy the world. <laughs> so, but, you know, there were some... I know we're getting off track here, but I have to say that Nightcrawler was really good. <laughs> and I did enjoy Quicksilver, too. It's just you know, an aside. Oh, yeah. Some of those... I thought some of those new casting choices were good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm blue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did think... I appreciated the fact that you've got a superhero who is just the gawkiest, most awkward teenager you could find. Yeah, and, yeah. And he's saving the day. So, yeah. yeah, that was good. All right. Uh, I think we got the ethical things. Yeah. Then point four of the covenant is about sanctions. 
that's a fancy word for saying rewards. What do people get for their ethical decisions? I'll tell you what, this is where I am bugged by this story. Because I think it's clear by now that Magneto is a psychopath. And a little bit of anger will set him off and he'll murder He'll just murder everybody. Oh, sure. You know, he was ready to take out the whole world. You know, and, and who knows how many people he did kill. You know, as buildings are being uprooted. And right. Cars yeah. driving off the bridges and stuff. Yeah. And so what's his, what's his reward? Well, he decides at the last moment to help defeat the apocalypse. And then he just walks away at the end yeah you know yeah he does need to be in a cell he does need to be in the plastic <laughs> cell you know yeah well but to be fair most of the time when he does try to be good he doesn't get good stuff in return like yeah his i feel like he gets a bum deal when he tries to be good yeah. generally and oh. then he just can't win he, it's yeah. like the whole thing with his family again you yeah. know that when he used his power, it was to he save saved, saved a human yeah. and lost his family as a result. Yeah. yeah. Okay, is that an evolutionary thing then? Where just stuff happens. There's no rhyme or reason. And your rewards that you get for how you live your life are just not even really connected to what you do. You know. Well, if you're if you're Magneto, <laughs> yeah, yeah right. I think that's how he sees it for him. And but I, think that's I feel why like you his, don't see that so much with process. other characters. Yeah. Like like Xavier can make a good choice and it'll work out all right. Yeah. But like Magneto will make like the better choice and it doesn't really work out all right. So I feel like you know. Yeah, but I feel like. Xavier is more willing, he goes into every situation more willing to make the right choice, even knowing that it may work out really badly, you know, like when he defies Apocalypse and he sends the wrong message and stuff like that. There's no reason for him to think he's going to survive that, and he does it anyway. Sure. So. But it worked out. (laughs) Yeah, but it worked out for him. Yeah, eventually. So, yeah, I agree with Jordan. Magneto just kind of, it doesn't matter what it does. It's not going to, it's one of those pot speed for destruction, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Or it could just be that his character really is just still following just all the way through this logic of the universe. He's he's just consistently the guy who is, who demonstrates the worldview, you know? Right, so he feels like he's walking around with proof that the universe is meaningless and, yeah. and all there is is power. And, and those too weak to see Those kids. too weak. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, and that may be why his worldview is so consistent, just because of his experience with this is what life has been for me, and so this must be. All right. All right, so the last point in the covenant model is uh, generally called su- succession if I can spit that out succession <laughs> and it has to do with the future and how is what's it look like in terms of the outcome of this covenant what's ultimately going to come of this and again this is kind of where the story upsets me with Magneto he just walks away 
And what's he gonna do? Well, he may be fine for a little while, but somebody's gonna He's piss gonna do him it off. Again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I wrote down looks pretty good as long as nothing ever goes wrong for Eric, so looks pretty bad. Because <laughs> something's going wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No way around that. Right, right. Well, the I thought it was interesting at the last, you know, Xavier's hair falls out, and he's got the last scene where the X-Men are no longer just, I mean, the mutants there at his house, they're no longer just students in the school. They're now X-Men is what they're or being militant, trained to yeah. do. And, and the, so now they're in the danger room and the and the combat training robots are coming out. Yeah. And uh, I, I, th- I really thought it was good. It was, an, it was a neat scene to see... Uh, Xavier looking at him kind of sideways and almost having a scowl on his on his face like he had a, a great deal of determination that he's gonna you know he's gonna beat the heck out of these kids in order to get him trained you know? and, <laughs> yeah. and uh, he knows it's gonna be hard and painful and difficult but he's apparently I think maybe his position has shifted closer to Magneto's in their in their mm. in their ongoing argument. Because now he's not just running a school; he's training X Men. Right. You know, because he's he's got maybe a more realistic understanding that more threats are going to come, and yeah. and I'm not going to be able to get away with just teaching these kids Shakespeare. Yeah. You know, I've got to teach them how to fight. Uh, so for me, that was a really interesting scene, and it and it pointed toward what is the future of the X Men. Right. Well, they're obviously going to be more militant and they're going to be more purposeful about yeah. how they go about being heroes. And, yeah. And the, to me, that's a fundamental shift in Xavier's mind. Well, and I think he actually said that, you know, because Eric again said, well, what are you going to do if they come to your right. school? And he said, Feel well, bad for them. <laughs> yeah, they better not be coming to my school, is what you're saying. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> you know, it's like if you have a gun, well, there you go. <laughs> right. And there were a couple of bad mutants that were left out there that I don't think we saw anything happen right. to them. Yeah. Psylocke and the angel, they just they're walked still away. out there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Plus all the cleanup that has to happen now. That's another thing. Uh, right. know, sometimes that cleanup turns into another movie. You know, the consequences for actions. Oh, well... <laughs> Those movies only have a 50-50% chance of being good. (laughs) Are you referencing something in particular? (laughs) I'm just saying, sometimes that's another movie. What do you do when you leave devastation in your wake? Yeah, see, that was the thing for me. I mean... Uh, Xavier's mansion was destroyed, and so but they rebuilt it. Yeah, but yeah, so how lame! He, they just he works with. I, I thought that was a really stupid scene. <laughs> to me, it was like the magician's nephew, you know, where oh, yeah. stuff is just flying it's around just... and going back into its place and yeah. stuff like that. No, like no fire damage on any of it or anything. <laughs> right. Well, it could have been new supplies. Because when something explodes, it just really breaks stuff apart, leaving them pretty much intact. You're right. The pieces. Explosions. But we're never saying they were reusing. It was the exact part. same house. <laughs> <laughs> you can rebuild something. <sighs> Okay, so best thing, Mama, best thing about the best movie? Best thing. I have 
have to say <laughs> Quicksilver. <laughs> Alright, yeah, I think so. Oh, yeah. What's your vote for best thing? It's gotta be. It's gotta be Quicksilver. I also, yeah, that's gotta be about it. That's gotta be what it is. I liked Quicksilver more in this one than I did in the last one. And I liked him pretty well in the last one. Right. So. He was just there for a blip. Yeah. I mean, he seemed to have, uh, on top of being obviously physically older, he seemed to have matured a little bit as a character. Yeah. Because he still, he had fun zipping around doing what he does, and he did whimsical things still. Yeah. But man, he was real, he seemed like he was real concerned to do the right things while he was zipping around. And, right, yeah. And, and, really and he just showed up, like he didn't know what was going on. He right. just got there and was like, oh, well here, I have a job to do. He happened to be there, and he winds up saving everybody in the house. Yeah. Yeah, right. So those were fun scenes, I really did. I liked those, and I thought the special effects there were good. Yeah. But I also liked the whole little minor story with uh, Nightcrawler. Yeah, he's my second. Yeah, because he had some scenes that were a little bit like that, just with a different power and yeah. him trying to figure out how to bamf from here to there. <laughs> yeah. 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 Most hated thing. <laughs> <laughs> the grid of light. I hated that. I hated it. <laughs> the glowing gold circuit yeah. board on what top of the, the pyramid. Yeah. yeah. Boom. <laughs> um, well, I'll say mine. Okay. I, I really have already said it. It was the ambiguity of of the powers of the bad guy, and yeah. plus the the lack of a real main character. I don't know. I think I guess the thing I had the most problems with was that whole transference thing. Okay. That just you're with Bob. Then. It just bothers me. Yeah. yeah. Well, and then just another thing that you know. We've got whole new characters in all of this thing. We've got brand new, younger versions of these people. And I love Wolverine. <laughs> I love him, you know? But to have him again <laughs> in another movie, I mean, this would have really been the time to switch out your character and have a younger person start playing Wolverine. Oh, I mean, yeah. sure, I mean, Hugh Jackman, that's him. He's Wolverine, and I see that, but, you know, this really would be he's the like time. He's like 70 years old. Right? <laughs> he's, he's, no, he's, he's not that. 70. And he, he looks still, you know, he's still looking I mean, like he's, he can pull he's off He's keeping Wolverine. himself together, but... Well, he's, yeah, he's jacked. He's got, he's, he's all hooked up muscle-wise, but from the neck up, he looks old. Yeah, so it just seems yeah. like this yeah. would have been the logical time to say, all right, now we get a young Wolverine. Yeah, we're that. Like, but, uh, they're gonna have to replace him anyway. Well, they've replaced everybody else. Yeah, right, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's right. everybody else has been replaced. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah, that is true. Uh, yeah, they should have replaced him. This right? was the time. <laughs> this was the time. I'm Except telling that you. he's kind of immortal, and he's been. Yeah. Uh, well. Yeah. Well, that's what and I mean. He's the only thing at this point since they've changed everything that's, that's still... keeping it X Men. Really, right. you know, yeah. like it's. He's what's keeping it from being like a revamp of a re the franchise sure, instead of just a continuing thing. So, but, like I said. <laughs> uh. All right, cool. So, final grades, letter grade-wise? I'm going to say it's a B. B, just a solid B? I'll give it a B. Really? <laughs> uh. 
Yeah, I'd probably give it like a like a like a high C plus, but a high C minus is or B. What am I saying? High B minus. A high B minus, not like an eighty, <laughs> but not higher than an eighty-four. That's a B. Yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. A high <laughs> B minus, like a B minus, but towards the higher spectrum of a B minus. A minus is going to be like eighty-three <laughs> down. Well, all right, then it's like an eighty. <laughs> Two or three. It's a B minus for me, I think. All right, I gotta say it's a C, maybe a C plus. All right, are we done? Anything else to say? Said it all. Oh, we need to talk about what we're gonna do next time. How do we know? Well, what I would like to do is, uh, with, there are so many superhero movies. I would like to not do them all at once and stuff. So I was thinking we could start a three-podcast series of do the Lord of the Rings. Oh, movies. that would be a classic. Yeah, it would be classic. We actually had a uh, we actually had someone that was interested. I almost said a listener, but we're doing this, and as we do this, the podcast <laughs> hasn't been listened to by anybody yet. Yeah, yeah. But so a prospective listener. <laughs> Already said, hey, are you doing Lord of the Rings? And I was like, yeah, we're doing it. <laughs> so uh, Okay, then. So next week, for all of you who want to join us and think along these same lines, uh, we're going to re-watch Fellowship of the Ring. Nice! And uh, we'll be back here to analyze that movie and cool. uh, hold it up in the light of the biblical covenant model. Sounds good. Everybody's excited to hear. Yeah. 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 All right. So, y'all, thank you for joining us on this episode. Uh, We hope it's been enlightening for you. For those of you who are creatively minded out there, I hope these things are uh, inspiring in terms of maybe making you want to sit down and uh, dig out that novel you started writing and and maybe keep working on it. And... uh, so that's what we want to be, is just encouraging to all you creative Christians out there. All right, so thank you, God bless, and we'll hopefully see you next week. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Worldview Media Podcast. Please visit reconstructionistradio.com to check out the other podcasts in our network and to download our free audiobooks. The Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network brings to you a complete lineup of podcasts where you will hear practical and tactical theology. Our desire is not simply that you consume our shows, but that you also live out your faith in every area of life. We can talk all day long about these things, but if we fail to put them into practice, then we fail as ambassadors of Jesus Christ, our King. Subscribe now to your favorite Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network shows. Or you can subscribe to the Reconstructionist Radio Master Feed, where all of the content we produce, including the audiobooks and audio articles, will pop up as soon as they are available. And don't forget to visit ReconstructionistRadio.com to volunteer as a narrator or to partner with this ministry financially. May the Holy Spirit stir you into action for Christ and His Kingdom.